Welcome into the Level Heads Podcast. Today we have Amy Storm from Amy Storm and Co. or Amy Storm and Company, interior designer extraordinaire who works with our very own Mike at Greenside Design and Build. Um, she uh, has a look. She's got uh, she's got uh, organization. She knows exactly what she's doing, what she's going for. She talks about. Uh, her relationship with the builder, her relationship with the client, how she got where she is, uh, designing a house, designing the FF&E afterwards, which uh, to those who don't know, that's that's what, guys? That's Furniture, fixtures, and accessories. Uh, accessories? That's, no. I thought it was furniture, fixtures, and earmuffs. Yeah. Electrical. Electrical. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> if anybody knows the real answer to this... Please send it to these three builders, yeah. Levelheads underscore yeah. Pod, and we'll uh, and we'll correct this. Yeah. Maybe never. Anyway, Amy Storm and Co. Very dark and stormy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Levelheads podcast. This week we've got Amy Storm from Amy Storm and Company, based out of Glen Ellen, Illinois, which is in my stomping ground. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Working with Amy and her team over the years, we've got some multiple projects going with her. Uh, her team is super fun, super professional. Um, we're looking forward to diving into some hot topics here with Amy. So, without further ado, let's let's get into it. Hi, Amy. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Um, this is as as uh, as low key as it gets here on our podcast. Okay. So um, you have no idea what we're going to ask as much as oh. we don't have any idea what we're going to ask. <laughs> I'm an open book. I have no secrets. <laughs> we should probably introduce ourselves. I am Mike Connolly from Greenside Design Build. I'm Zane Ellis from Collective Build Company. I'm Jamie Verdura from Verdura Construction. And I'm Amy Storm from Amy Storm and Company. I, uh, I was thinking I, when I first came across your name, I thought... You know, she's really missing a career as a meteorologist. I am fully aware of this, and we tried to get our daughters to do it. My my oldest is named Parker Storm. I was like, you could walk into any news station and be like, my name is Parker Storm. I'm a meteorologist. That's a winner. Like, can I have a job? That's, awesome. but, That's a winner. You know, in Nashville, they had somebody. I don't know if she's still there, but, I mean, this was just her weather person name. This is not her real name. Stormy Weathers. That sounds like, like a made-up well, name. It, yeah. Well, that's because it is. <laughs> And it doesn't sound like she's a meteorologist either. No, it sounds like one of Donald Trump's girlfriends. <laughs> I think like, Stormy was, actually. <laughs> oh, man, you're missing the MAGA hat tonight, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie retired it. Yeah. Jamie didn't actually have a MAGA hat on last week, but he had a Verdura construction hat on that was red with white lettering that very much look like a MAGA hat if you just glanced at it. <laughs> it's my, my T-ball team hat. <laughs> the MAGAs. Yeah. The Half Moon Bay MAGAs. <laughs> there you go. So, Amy, mm-hmm. um, you're a designer, yep. right? Yep. Is, is that is that all you do, or do you, do you do any forays into anything else, or are you so covered up with designing that this is your gig? Uh, well, I have no other jobs. This is my only job. <laughs> it's a full-time job, but I do have two girls, so I'm also a mom. Yeah. 
yeah. before COVID, I also did mission trips to Cuba. So, um, oh, but I cool. haven't been able to go back for a while, but I've been there 21 times. So I've been doing that oh, for wow. a good part of a decade. Um, and I don't know. I do other stuff. I run. I have some couple little hobbies, but nothing, nothing too much. This really occupies a good amount of my life. I imagine. Yeah. How, so how did you get into um, designing? Well, so how much time do I have? <laughs> no, I, when I honestly, like, and I think I was kind of an anomaly in seventh grade. I knew I wanted to get into some sort of design. My mom used to um, work for a magazine and she would set up room scenes for the magazine. And I guess I would, you know, I'd be laying up in bed at night and I'd hear her downstairs in the living room rearranging furniture. I mean, I literally heard her pushing a piano across the room one time or everything oh would gosh. be like pulled into the middle of the room when I went to bed and I'd wake up and the walls would be a different color and it would be all like redecorated. And so I think growing up around that rooms were constantly changing. It was definitely sort of in the blood. Um, I dabbled a little bit in like fashion design and things like that. And none of that really stuck. And then I did go to school for interior design in the nineties. So back then there was no HGTV or anything like that. It wasn't a popular thing. And I honestly didn't really know what I was getting into. I, I, I think I just didn't know what interior design was. Um, I thought it was more about picking out pillow fabrics and painting walls, which is really more decorating. Um, and so I went to Iowa state. There were, I think there were six schools in the country at the time that had what was called a fighter accredited program. One of them was like RISD. One was Cornell, totally not getting into these schools, um, <laughs> five hours to Iowa state. So I went to Iowa state and actually my, so, um, the way they used to do it is there was only room for 30 kids in the program. So freshman year, we had 150 kids come in and for two years you would take design classes and um, architecture classes and all kinds of stuff. And then at the end of two years, we had this big portfolio review and they took 30 kids. So people definitely kind of trickled out along the way, said like, this isn't for me, whatever. But my freshman year, my teacher said, my, like one of my very first classes, he was like, you really should drop out. And I was like, what? Like, you're oh never, my God. Like, you're never going to get in. You don't know how to use a scale. You've never taken a drawing class. You've never, like, done all these things. And all these kids had done all these other classes at their high school and stuff. And Who is um, this person? There's, uh, his name was Ming, if he's listening. Um, anyway, <laughs> no. I mean, if you want to know how to get I guarantee you he's listening. What? What'd you say? He's one of our seven subscribers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, Yeah. Yeah, if you want to know, like, a way to get me motivated is to tell me I can't do it. So, um, 100%, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, how dare you tell me I'm not going to get into this class? And I think I just, from that point on, I was like, I am in and I'm going to figure this out. And um, it was hard. I had another girl that was in my class that we had met at orientation. Her dad was an architect in Chicago. And he was always, like, sending her drawings and giving her ideas and all this stuff. And, you know, in hindsight, you know, I watched her trace things and to get these beautiful drawings done and get an A. And I'm, like, struggling to figure out how do I draw a staircase? How do I do – how do I draw a partition wall? All these things. But I learned it. You know, so those first two years were really hard. I did get into the program, thank God. I remember that being like the most nerve-wracking day of my life when I got that letter in the mail after two years of school. Like, am I going to get in or not? Um, 
And then I think there was like a point where we, we kind of like flip flopped where I actually knew how to do things. And I was very intrigued by the thought of if I could understand how a space was built and I knew what was behind the walls or how things functioned like a heating duct or wiring for a light or something like that, then I could do like magical things inside of a space. And so there, there was definitely a flipping point where I kind of got out of the mind of just decorating and more into the mind of the structure of a space. Um, so, and then when I graduated, I, you cut me off anytime if I'm just like rambling. No, very keep, great. Keep no, going. Great. This is great. Okay. Yep. So then, um, I always wanted to go into hospitality design and in college, I feel like they really groom you more towards commercial design and maybe cause that's just a bigger field, more opportunities, um, easier to get into. But I was like, no, that is not for me. I'm, I'm just way too more creative or loose or something. Sorry, um, by hospitality design, do you mean like hotels? And... Restaurants and hotels. Yeah, yeah was really, okay. I, yeah. not even big hotels. Like I wanted to do boutique hotels and restaurants. Right, right. So um, I graduated in 96 and I went, I moved home. I went straight to the library and got into the microfiche and I'm like totally dating myself, <laughs> looking for articles about, <laughs> um, who designed um, Gibson Steakhouse in Chicago? Who designed, you know, this restaurant? Who designed that restaurant? And there was one guy in the North Shore that had designed a lot of these really amazing restaurants. And um, so I went knocking on his door, tried to get a job. It was, he had nine architects and no designers, and they were all men. Mm. And he was like, I don't need a designer. I don't want a designer. I do the design. I do the architecture. And um, so I kind of like left, got another job. And six months into that job, they the company lost like a huge project and he laid half of us off. So I went back to that firm and I was like, here's the deal. This is what I want to do. I'm a super hard worker hire me for three months. You can pay me peanuts. And if you don't like me at the end of three months, I'll go away or you can hire me on. And he was like, "Mm, okay, (laughs) basically getting free labor out of this young idiot girl, but he loved me. And, um, I ended up being there for almost 10 years. I, uh, after about four or five years, I was a project manager and I was, um, designing and managing multimillion dollar restaurants that were getting designed and built in a year and I had um, people working under me and um, it was awesome and I loved it and then I got pregnant and then I missed my daughter so much I couldn't hang anymore so I went in on a Wednesday sobbing my eyes out told them I needed to quit I think I quit two weeks later on Thursday, I got up and took my daughter to a park. And while I was there, I got a phone call from like a friend of a friend of a friend who said, I'm building a house. I'm freaking out. I have no idea what to do. Can you help me? And I was like, mm, okay, what do you charge? Uh, I don't know, $75. I, mean, I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> tomorrow. Okay. Uh, so I would say I took one day off and then I started my business and I've been busy wow. ever since. So that, <laughs> that's how it happened. I didn't know that story. Yeah, That's a I have story. to know one thing yeah. before we move on to the next thing. When you got the letter of acceptance, 
I want to know if you went back and told the guy, like, gave him the double bird as you posted the letter. <laughs> well, let me set the stage for you. I was a waitress at Chili's, and my brother <laughs> is, like, this little kid. My mom drives him up to the restaurant and brings him in with a letter while I'm in the middle of working. And he's like, open it up, open it up. And, I mean, I was, like, in a full-on fit. So I did not like open a movie. it. I went home. I stood around and cried. And did all. my dad was like, for the love of God, like, just open open the letter so i opened it i got in i did give ming a hard time and by the time i was a senior he had me his, as his ta in his class and so when kids would come in i'd always be like if he tells you to quit like don't listen to him you know you were like you remember when michael jordan got cut from his freshman <laughs> basketball team right like right. well basically i'm the michael jordan of design yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> the best motivation pretty woman you know yeah <laughs> I wow, imagine good goodwill hunting. How do you like them apples? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a great story. Thanks. That is. Yeah. Short version. Yeah. Well, that's a great story. That's a great way in. And, you know, I can't believe you didn't open the letter immediately. I would have ripped it open right there. Yeah. I think I was so much like, I know so much in my heart, this is what I want to do for my living. And if I don't get in, I have to suddenly change my major. Like, what would I do? I have no idea what I would have done. So, right. but no. I never, you know, I never anticipated doing residential design and it was not on my list. I always thought I'll just quit for a while and then I'll go back to the same job because I loved it. And I learned a lot from my boss. I loved the guys that I worked with. Um, I worked with three Indian architects who, like I came in the door and now like this is like late nineties. Like they just were kinda like, Who is this girl that's coming in? But they I made them love me. I really worked hard to earn their affection and they were awesome. They taught me so much stuff and I I felt like a ton of pressure there to um make sure that I could hang with the architects because otherwise I was gonna be annoying, yeah. you know. Um <laughs> so you know, they messed with me a lot and played funny tricks on me. But at the end of the day, we were really, really good friends. And I still actually keep in contact with them. They came to our grand opening here and, um, you know, we texted. So when you were, when you were at Iowa state, did they have CAD in the course back then? Or was it a lot of hand drawing or it was all hand drawing, which I wish they still did hand drawing in colleges more. Um, they in, sort of invented CAD and brought it into the schools when I was a senior. So um, as a freshman, they said, we're going to start a study abroad program in the interiors and the architecture colleges. And so I had said, like, yeah, I'm in. I'm totally going to do that um, if I get into this school. And I did. So then senior year, I went to Italy my first semester. But the trade-off was if you went overseas, you didn't get to learn AutoCAD. So the kids that had to stay home were supposed to, like, have a leg up on you or something. I don't know. So they learned AutoCAD. And then when I graduated, my dad was like, no way. You're not getting out of school and not knowing AutoCAD. So he asked me, full circle. He told, he made me go back to Ming and be like, you need to teach me AutoCAD. <laughs> and he did. I stayed for summer. And he private tutored me. And he taught wow. me AutoCAD. And then actually that very first job that I told you I got when I didn't get my other, the other job right away, 
they um, they I went in and I drew something and the way that they could tell if you could draw or not was to hit undo 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 and see what commands you used and um, so fortunately I knew some shortcuts and I did some things right and I got that gig but um, yeah isn't that funny so then when I was working for the restaurant design firm all I did was AutoCAD that was like the bulk of I definitely you know pulled finishes and worked with materials but the bulk of it was putting you know nice thick construction sets together that's funny you were when I can remember that I took a drafting class my dad was a builder and my uncle was a builder and his dad was a builder and I took AutoCAD or I took a drafting class in high school and it'd come out and anytime it was brand new you know and anytime anybody had a question the teacher was like I don't know I don't know Right. So it was like, well, how do I do, you know, how do I do this detail or how do I yeah. move this? I don't, I don't know. Hit L for line. Just start drawing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's pretty amazing what you can do on AutoCAD, but I do think there is like a missing skill out there among designers in college that just don't know how to draw by hand. And I literally just said to, we were just doing reviews in our office and I just said to everybody like, sometimes just print it out and draw it by hand because when Mm -hmm. you're in AutoCAD, you're trying to be so perfect and you're like zoomed into your thing that it's sometimes it's just hard to see the big picture. But if you can like print it out, sketch over it, see what works and then put it in and get into the fine details. I think that makes you a better designer because you start thinking of all the things that are outside of the box that you're drawing in, but it's hard for, people because they don't learn like that at school a lot of them don't know how to you know pick up a marker on a job site and draw a section of something on a stud and like I mean Mike and I can do that we'll grab a piece of plywood and like figure out how a detail is going to look or how a beam's going to intersect something but um I like how she said grab a piece of plywood as if we're just <laughs> grab a stud <laughs> whatever's laying around that you can draw on with a sharpie yeah. that's all right that's all right mike does that he's ripped yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. like do you want me to lift this piece of plywood for you to draw on? <laughs> but all joking aside as custom builders you guys know how important it is to have a good set of drawings and yeah. To Amy's credit, her her firm and her designers, they're probably one of the best at, at being most complete with their drawings and Oh, that's good. Thank you. Detailed and it's so in our field it's super important to have that. Yeah. It's just it's Absolutely. just a fight to get the idea across, never mind executing the mm-hmm. idea. And when it's laid mm-hmm. out perfectly in a in a design drawing, it just saves us as builders so much time. So all yeah. the designers yes, out I mean, there that are listening to this podcast. Well, it's an instruction manual. I say that over and over and over again. Like our job, first of all, is to give you an instruction manual on how we want something built. And I mean, there's definitely times we mess that up. We forget or super important dimension or something like that. But ultimately, like do the drawing and look at it. Does it tell the contractor or the fabricator or whatever how to build it? And then layer in the stuff that makes it look pretty. You can put in the hatching or the grading or like whatever, but... Um, if it doesn't tell you how to build it, it's pointless. You might as well just yeah. not even draw it. I have, there's one thing I'll say more than anything to somebody drawing is more detail, more detail, yeah, more detail. Like you cannot like under detail think, or over detail. Yeah, it. If you think it's too much, I promise you it's not. Yeah. 
You know, just yeah. make the, just assume I know nothing. Right. <laughs> and draw it out. Right. Well, yeah, and we're drawing it sometimes a year before it even gets built. And so if you don't mm-hmm. stop and think about all those things and detail it out, when it comes back, you're like, oh, I don't know, you know, what I would well, yeah, come back then. I, or... I think architects a lot of times are, are uh, and I'm sorry, architects, but, you know, they have this, this uh they have this design or this plan in mind, mm-hmm. but then they put it on paper and like, I, you cannot expect me to read your mind or know what is in your head on the design of this. You have got to detail it as closely as you can. Mm-hmm. Like I want it down, down to the, you know, nth degree. Mm-hmm. And it's the hardest thing to get anybody else to understand other than designers is that I need more detail. I need yeah. to know exactly what is in your brain. I need it on that paper. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... Yeah, I think that's, that's true. I mean, we kind of do the same thing. We look at the plans and we're like, hmm, what was he expecting to see here? And then we're like, yeah. okay, now we look at the elevation and we're like, hmm, okay. Yeah, because... <laughs> I yeah. figure that one out. Those, those little details are really big yeah. details and they can translate yes. into big dollars. Yeah. You can nope. you can make a big budget mistake if a detail is not drawn correctly or misinterpreted or... For sure. Yeah. And a lot of time, like a lot of time going back with RFIs, like what were you thinking right here, you know, at this wall, you know, or mm-hmm. I, there's a lot of time spent in, in just wasting time waiting for an answer from somebody. So yeah. if I don't have to wait for that answer, the better it is. Yeah. Hey, that like just makes me think of one of the, like one of the things I love so much about working with um, Greenside is they always... I think you guys always, especially, you know, we probably have 25 different builders that we're working with right now. Some of them. But but Mike's the best, Mike, right? Mike is awesome. So sometimes they just, like, literally don't even look <laughs> at the drawing. Glossed over that one, Mike. Oh, I can't say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anybody <laughs> that's a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's okay. Um <laughs> He's kind of good on Tuesdays. But. <laughs> no, I mean, a lot of them don't really even look at the joins, and they just want you to spoon feed everything. But, like, we're able to have conversations with Mike early on in the process. And I feel like a lot of times he's explaining to us what's actually going to happen with the roof lines or inside of the spaces, and it helps us design the rooms better. Um, but yeah, I mean, contractors fall in one category or the other. They either really get in depth into the drawings or they kind of like mosey along as they're doing it and see what they have to do, but they don't think about like the whole picture of how the house is going to work together. Does Mike still draw all that stuff in crayon or has he kind (laughs) of, he always has a pink crayon right behind his right ears. (laughs) It's always pink. I don't know why. That's just for show. (laughs) <laughs> that's because he's got six daughters that's yeah, why. exactly it's the only the color, only he's color he could find yeah that's true so let's get back to the history so now you're a mom <laughs> enough about right? me yeah you uh you just landed your first residential gig mm-hmm. and that was the birth of amy storm and co well uh well that was co, right? that was actually the birth of, well technically yes but that was the birth of design storms and the reason we started Design Storms is my last name is Storm, and my husband is a graphic designer. And so we thought, oh, we'll like kind of create this company where we can do design, whether it's graphic or interiors, and it can all fall under the same company. Um, and so that worked fine for several years. Nobody ever got my name right. Nobody ever wrote a check to the right person, but we held tight to it. Um, and then... 
So you know what I did? I kept, I would like play with my kids all day, put them down for a nap, send a couple emails, like play with them the rest of the day, put them down for dinner, stay up and draw till one or two in the morning. Good. You know, that was kind of my routine. And then I would get a babysitter occasionally, um, during the week. And I mean, so I did have maybe one or two new construction jobs that I would do over the course of the year. I did a lot of paint consultations, which is when I look back at it, I'm like, my skill set versus what I was doing and what I was charging was ridiculous. And we can talk <laughs> about this later. I've been a chronic underbiller for the majority of my career until maybe the last year or two. Um, I've worked my tail off and undervalued what I bring to the table. And that's like totally something that I've been working on in my older age now. But, um, so I did that from 2004 until 2013, 14, I started hiring some people to come alongside and help me because my daughters were now going to school all day. So I thought I can work from like nine to three, kick everybody out of the house, run across the street, pick them up from school and be mom in the afternoon. So I did that for almost 10 years. And then I started hiring people. Um, by 2016, I had seven employees. I mean, they were, most of them were part-time. Um, but we were working out of my house. I had folding tables in my bedroom. I had people working in the dining room, somebody working in the office, piles of books in my basement, tile samples in my garage. I mean, it was, blah. and, um, but I finally got busy enough that, and my husband had been at his job for 17 years and he was very unhappy, kind of wanted to leave. So we finally had enough business that I said, we're not going to lose the house and we're not going to starve. Like we probably won't have any new clothes for a while, but we're not going to die. So if you want to <laughs> quit your job, you can, he wanted to start a new business with a friend, with a, a coworker. Um, you can do that. And I, I think we'll be okay. And so he quit his job in 2016 and came on with me. And then we moved out of our house and moved into this design studio. Um, and then I guess we just felt like we're working so hard. Nobody knows who we are. We want bigger and better jobs. I had a lot of part-time people. So we hired um, a friend who was in the marketing world to come and do like an analysis of our company. And she sent out hundreds of um, uh like just like a questionnaire for people to fill out, asking them all kinds of questions. And the biggest thing that came back was people didn't understand our name and they didn't like it and we needed to change our business name. And I really like kind of dug my heels in the ground because um, I didn't want my name on the business. I think like from the beginning of ever since I've worked in design, I realized the importance of like, I feel like our my cabinet guys always make me look good. Contractors make us look good. Our vendors make us look good. So we can have this idea, but somebody else has to produce it and make it look amazing. And I just really understood the concept of camaraderie and collaborating and also like what the designers in my firm also bring to the table because I can't come up with every single idea, you know, and the better the designers we have, the better our designs are. And I didn't want it to be just about me. So anyway, my husband, who was also in marketing, was like, it will become a brand. It will become Amy Storm and Company, which is a brand. It's not just you even though your name's on it so I mean locally people know that I'm Amy Storm but um I think we treat the name more like a brand and um so that it took a while for that to happen it took maybe like 
couple years, but it, it was actually a really big game changer for us. So, cause people do like to associate a face with a business name. And I think mm-hmm. doing that just, I don't know, made people more aware of us. So I can, I don't really understand all of it, but it seems to have worked. Yeah. It's a great name. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I well, just thought you were Amy Stormanco. No, it's, I thought that was a weird and, last name. It's <laughs> very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I think so you've silly. done a great job so building silly. your building your brand. Thank you. Yeah, really hit it Thank hard you. on social media, on Instagram. I mean, we that's... have hit that hard for the last five years, six years. Yeah, it's exhausting. Tell us about that. Has that? Yeah, I actually i had a friend that? i had a friend um, call me one day and she was like, "Your Instagram sucks," and I think I think I had like four <laughs> pictures on it and three followers and she was like it doesn't even make sense whatever you guys are doing your, your instagram is horrible and i was like okay. some friends i know so josh was like i think i like i think i can we can figure this out so we really muscled through it i mean it took us i think it took us a couple of years to get to ten thousand followers did you hire somebody for this or did no. he take this on no. so he and i have done it the whole time that's great. Josh, Josh is really talented. He's put together yeah. some amazing content and that I've seen in the last, over the last year. I didn't know he was there until, until I did know he was there. And yeah. he's, he's the, the magic behind the, the curtain. I, I'm assuming Josh is My your husband. husband. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I always tell people when you see something on Instagram for us, if it has like beautiful font and super thoughtful you know, messaging and especially on an Insta story, that's from Josh. If it's the it, graphic designer. If yeah. it's a picture of a job site and a stupid GIF, it's me. And then, <laughs> and then I, he did the posting every morning for like a couple of years. And then I took it over maybe like two years ago. And now I do the posting and I've done it literally every single day at six thirty in the morning for several years. And I decided this year, I was like, it's ruining all of my mornings. I'm moving to an every other day kind of a basis and I'm not going to sweat it because we finally got over a hundred. I'm like, I'm just going to like, yeah, it's a little bit. Yeah. So, but it's hard. I mean, it's a lot of collaborating with other people online, trying to get reposted. And then my biggest thing, and I would actually recommend going down the harder road, um, is that we did not post anybody else's work on our feed. So I don't have a problem celebrating somebody else on like an Insta story saying like, Hey, this is super talent. This company is super talented. Give them a follow or I'm inspired by these people. But I have gone to way too many designers websites or Instagram feeds and scrolled through thinking like, Oh my gosh, they're doing this. They're doing that. And then I click on it and it's somebody else's project. And I mm-hmm. get that they're trying to create a look but if every single picture I go to that looks so amazing, somebody else did, it. I don't know. It just it feels phony. I'm exactly the same. Yep. Yeah. No, we are too. I never wanted anybody to look at our body of work and pick something and be disappointed that we didn't do it. So I've yeah. just been like very, very cautious about that. And I and I don't. That's not the easy way to get followers. The easy way to get followers. No. Is to post the best picture that's out there and let everybody go swoon over it, but. We actually had somebody that was going to run ours, uh-huh. and the first 
like month, you know, they send you all the stuff that was, you know, they're going to post. And a lot of it was somebody else's work. And it was like, it didn't sound like we wrote it. Yeah. And we just, we just immediately fired them. <laughs> just, yeah. you know, just, that's just not what we're looking for. Yeah. You know, it's, it, but, but you're right. It is so, it's so time consuming. Yeah. I actually, we did try and hire somebody too. And the first picture they put out there was a dining table with a vase on it. And it said something like, update your home with freshly cut flowers. And I was like, we're not decorators. We're not stagers. You're fired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Same, same story. Yeah. yeah, And I always tell our photographer, I'm like, never take a picture of me putting like flowers in a vase while I'm setting up a room scene for a photo shoot because that is like one one millionth of a thing that we do, and it doesn't take right. any brain power. Like everything else that we do is so wow. methodical and thoughtful and hurts your brain to do. I don't want pictures of me putting flowers in a vase. So, yeah. You know, I dig my heels in the ground on that one. So now Amy Storm and Co. is blossoming. You're not only in the Chicago metro area, but you've expanded now out of state into the far reaches of the country. Tell us about that. Um, yeah, uh, well, so first of all, I have like an obsessive passion for traveling that living in Italy when I was in college really instigated Mm. my desire to travel. I love experiencing other cultures and trying different foods and, you know, even going to Nashville, things are different. People behave different. They talk different. They eat different. Um, so it can be us or it could be abroad. I mean, my hope is this year that we get an abroad option. I've been trying to get a couple, but, um, we, I think Instagram was like the biggest thing is that, so people started asking us to do work, you know, in other States and cause they were seeing us on Instagram and, um, somebody that helps us with our business said to me once, like, if you get a request for work, you know, from somebody out of state, most likely they have the money to afford you. And Mm -hmm. so go for it. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Throw a number out there. And if they take it, they take it. And if they don't, they don't. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to go for it. And, um, yeah, now we, so we currently have, Mike doesn't know this. He's going to have a heart attack when I say this out loud, but, we have 35 active new construction projects right now and wow. probably 50 of them are out of state. So, I mean, Good they're all you. in different phases um, and the out of state obviously doesn't require quite as much attention as like locally. If we have something in Hinsdale or Glen Ellen or whatever, we'll run out and go to the job site. And we can't do that if it's in New York or Georgia, but um, it does require us to do a lot more thorough detailing and more drawing and really good communicating because yeah so, so do you Our, typically plan on being on site a lot or you just you guys just drop a book off hey mike here's a to z oh I, I would it. go to the job site anytime mike wanted us to um we love going to job site visits and it like i feel like it always advances the project a lot you know we go maybe to talk about one thing and we end up talking about 15 other things um mm-hmm. So we do, we do, I have put no limit on how much we go to job site. The only thing that limits us, um, is maybe clients not wanting us to have that much time there, but I also just moved to fixed fees. I'm not doing hourly anymore cause that's a pain in the butt. That was um, one of my questions. Yeah. Yeah. So we can talk a little bit about that, but, um, with the out of state jobs, I always include maybe three or four 
um, days of time for two people to be on site. So we can do a couple different trips. And then if we're going to do all the furniture and stuff, I add a couple more days in because we need to, you know, right. survey and as a builder, that's where I'm jealous. I'm so jealous of interior designers that you can have projects in different parts of the country. Yeah. We can't do that as a builder because we have to be on site. Yeah. You I can, Mike. That. You can go you can go work for DR Horton. You're all <laughs> over the country. <laughs> yeah. Well the um the thing that I have found that I hear the most from people that hire us out of state. And it always surprises me is I can't find anybody around here who can do the design like you guys do. And that always kind of surprises me because I think if somebody came to me, you know, from the South and said, I want super traditional, I want heavy drapery, I want tassels and flocked wall covering and like all those, I'd be like, okay, cool. It's not my personal taste, but I can get on board and I love the process of uncovering that style or if somebody called and said like I'm all in on the tutor thing like that's what I want to do okay we're going to figure this out so it always surprises me that there aren't other designers out there that are like well I can look at this body of work and I can pull out the things that make it what it is um it doesn't seem like they can do it like the more and more I think about it actually my husband and I have been trying to come up with a word that helps define what kind of design we're doing in the midwest because there's sort of this like um, level of high detail and good quality um, and like solid design that would sort of span like the test of time. But it's got California influence and it has East Coast influence and it has it just has influence from a lot of places. And then how high or low those things get magnified in each job is one thing, but like the body of it is very simple and basic. And um, so anyway, that surprises me, but that is like the, the thing we hear the most from people out of state. I can't find it. Can we go ahead and name it right here? Yes. Can, well, can I need to coin the phrase <laughs> so I can make a lot of money on it when I do a book someday. Yes. But yeah. <laughs> you can help can me we, come up with it. <laughs> can we just call it stormy? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that'll fly, but we can try. Start calling it's everything a, stormy design. I like, yeah, I was going to say, a lot of times I, when it your stuff, like I see a, a dark house, you know, with these, it's very, it's very Gotham City. I would call <laughs> yeah. it, I would call it stormy. Dark and stormy. Yeah, dark and stormy. <laughs> yeah. I like it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I don't know. About Trademark that right there. Okay, the done. stormy part, that might stick. I think, I think my husband has a shirt that says dark and stormy and he got it at a bar. There might be a drink called the dark and stormy. I don't <laughs> there know. definitely is. Yeah. It's a rum based drink. Okay. It's very beachy. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. Okay. Surprise <laughs> me. I can you know hang that. with that. Wine in one hand, dark and stormy. In yeah. <laughs> if it's a fruity, if it's a fruity drink, I know exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Note to self. Yeah. Dark and stormy. That's your design. Dark and stormy. I like it. Hilarious. So, so the, uh, the, I guess originally you were doing, um, hourly, right? Mm-hmm. And then what made you make the switch to a fixed cost? Yeah. So that let's go back to remember when I told you I severely undervalue my time and skills. I'm also like a chronic underbiller and, um, you know, over the years, I had some really amazing clients who 
I would sit down with after a project and kind of just like recap what we did. And a couple of them said, just so you know, I would have paid you double what I paid you. Oh, <laughs> what? Just write me a that check hurt. right now. Yeah, I'll still <laughs> take know? it. Because yeah. the that whole hurts. time I was working on things, I was like feeling guilty. <laughs> But everything takes so much time. So, I mean, eventually, you know, eventually I I had to eliminate my part-time employees. I was working when we first moved into this place. And I have, like, no shame telling you this because I got stuff to learn, too, right? You never stop learning. Um, we moved into this place in, like, 2016, 17. And I was working my tail off, as always. And we were totally in the red. And we couldn't figure it out. We were like, how is it possible that we have no money and we are, like, killing ourselves? It doesn't make sense. And I, like, I could not, for some reason, it didn't dawn on me, half of your employees are part-time, so your desks are sitting empty half of the day. Now you're paying rent. Now you're buying coffee. Now you're buying laptops. Now they want you to bring in lunch for birthdays. Like, Mm -hmm. when we left my house and moved to here, I didn't change anything. And then all of a sudden, I'm like dying. I'm like, I can't do this. I'm, I, I, there's no reward in this for me. So we hired a finance guy who came in and kind of reviewed everything. So this is a common theme with me. I have to have people come in and do a thorough review of everything and tell, smart. Me, tell me what I'm doing that wrong. That is very smart. Um, so he came in. He identified like nine things. But he said, like, here's the top three. Everybody has to be full time by the end of the year. Um, you know, you're doing this, you're doing this. And it was really hard. Like it was super hard. I had people that didn't want to go full time that had been with me for a while and people that didn't want my business to grow because they liked the cozy little like casual situation. Um, Mm -hmm. most of them didn't understand. I never would have told them that we were in the red, but most of them didn't understand why I was like, Oh, please don't waste that paper. (laughs) Whatever. I was like, so (laughs) I strong, um, so, and that, that took us a couple of years to recover from, which was like really mm-hmm. brutal. Um, in that process, I did eventually kind of raise rates because this is something he told me to do. I raised my rates and then I was doing this thing for quite a while where I was doing um, the fee for the house and then a separate fee for FF&E. And I still have some lingers. Like Mike and I are working on a project that's almost two years old by now and I still have this old contract with them for literally half the price of what we're getting paid now. But, um, so I would do the construction for one and then the FF and E for another. And you guys know what FF and E is. It's all the pretty stuff, the fixtures, furnishings, art, yeah. um, sofas, whatever. And what I would, what I started to find was, um, if people were, didn't value what we were bringing to the table or were hiring us, but way overspending from what they could spend, then they weren't doing the FF and E and how do designers make money? We make money by selling stuff. So it's, it's nice for us to have a project that's new construction that keeps my staff busy for a year, but the time is the time. It's not super Mm -hmm. lucrative for us, Mm -hmm. but if you're going to spend half a million dollars or a million dollars on furniture in your house, that's lucrative for us. So right. I just, and then I was tired of getting emails like every month going, what are you guys doing? What are you spending your time on? 
you know, wanting a breakdown of things and knowing that I'm a chronic underbiller, that I'm super fair and all that stuff. It was just like agonizing to me to have to sit yep. down and go through people's timesheets and explain why it takes so long to build your totally custom house. You have me mm-hmm. chasing my tail around doing all these crazy things and you forget how much time it actually takes. So last year I changed. I was like, I'm done. I'm doing a fixed fee and it is what it is. And if you don't like it, you don't have to hire me because, yeah. you know, and I can't get people to say, no, it's driving me crazy. Like nobody says no. Now I'm like, do you know how much money I could have made in the last 10 years if I had done yeah. this right from the first time? But um, so that's how we got there. I just, it was agonizing. So hmm. I just could, you base I couldn't your, do it you anymore your... with the scale of our projects. Do you, I'm totally in the same boat as you. TNM stuff for us is a disaster yeah. and always has been. Um, do you guys like, do you just base it on the size of a project or do you like, is it a, like 3% of the build or I mean, without giving too much information. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. I don't do percentage of the build. Um, I've actually only figured out a couple of times what, what it is. Cause I don't usually know totally what the end fee is for a build. Like I, I can look at one of Mike's contracts at the beginning of the job but I don't know what the land cost. I don't know what their extras were. I don't know all that stuff. So I, the one thing I have done well is for like the last 10 years, I have tracked projects. I've tracked our hours because we input our time. I've tracked what it costs to get them done. I've tracked when I told somebody it was going to be 75000 and it actually ended up costing 150000 And I could tie that back to the square footage in the house. And did they have a golf simulator? Did they have outdoor entertaining spaces they wanted us to do. Right. Did they put an addition on the house during construction? That happens too. Um, so I have like a really good record of what that costs and how much time it took us. So I weigh that. I weigh square footage. I weigh all those extra components that, I um, mean, if you have a golf simulator, that's going to take me dozens and dozens and dozens of more hours to do your basement. Cause right. you know, so um, I kind of do that. And then, yeah, I kind of just throw it, I throw it out there. I also know, oh, I've been tracking how much time it takes us to buy furniture for people. I mean, you'd be shocked how many, like, hundreds of hours it can take to track furniture on a 10,000 square foot house. Oh, I can only imagine. People do not understand. No, I wouldn't. Go buy all your stuff retail and see what kind of full-time job you need to track every delivery, every shipment, everything that comes in damage, Mm -hmm. everything that gets discontinued and has to be reselected. So I finally just said, I know what it takes. I'm doing a fixed fee. And if they don't like it, it's okay. How do you deal with a client who's, who's with a fixed fee that's maybe indecisive and they start becoming a time suck? Um, yeah, that's or is call it, me um, and tell me to deal with it. I actually had a client. I, this is this is actually this is really funny. I have some amazing clients that here's what I I'm going to tell you. I am not doing any more um, projects with commercial builders like for their own house. That to me is like a big red flag. It's going to be a really tricky job because they don't know how to build residential. They know how to build Custom. commercial and yeah, they're commercial. two very different processes. Mm-hmm. But um I just had a client who builds, um, he uh, owns a bunch of hotels and we're doing his house. And I sent him a note and I said, we need to have a come to Jesus meeting about your tile. 
And so we had a long conversation <laughs> and then he sent me a note later that night that said, I need you to do um, a class on how to manage people because you like totally managed me today. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, a, a lot of our clients are very, very easy and they say, just do what you want. And then, you know, there's a handful that do become a time suck. They start to become insecure, second guess things for whatever reason, or they have, they, they show too many of their friends what they're doing and then they get unnecessary mm. feedback. Um, from so, other friends that have degrees in interior design, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. yeah. They who, have a friend who also aren't going to live there. Right. Right. Well, I'll tell you one thing that we do. We, um, we establish in our office, we call it your design DNA. So at the beginning of a project, we create your design DNA and that's with images and stuff like that. And it tells the story of what the house is going to look like at the end of the job. So it's not so we can copy details, but it's like, it just sets the stage and the pace for things. So it also helps us early on. We might, we might pull five pictures of a staircase and they'll say, I like picture A and I like picture C. Here's why. And then all of a sudden we're like, now we have the stair DNA. We can actually give that to the contractor. They want open mm-hmm. risers. They want metal balusters. They want, you know, whatever. Um, so that helps us manage clients better all the way through because we can say it's not in your DNA. Um, but if they are indecisive, I don't, we try and be really accommodating. It is a time suck. I'd rather get my fixed fee and have you not be indecisive, but it is what it is. Sure. So I have to, yep. you know, I do plan for some of that. But I do, I would say in our office, I always say we have like an 80% success rate with people because we establish that DNA and we stick so tightly to it that when people do come in, does, we did a tile presentation yesterday for a client and we showed them tile, countertops, grout and paint and cabinet colors all at the same time. Wow. And they walked out and said, everything looks great. Don't change a thing. And I think that's because, like, we really listen to them when we create the DNA. Nailed and it, yeah. we spent weeks putting that stuff together because it's very thoughtfully done. So that helps us. Could you possibly create, like, a uh, like a video class that I can show some clients? <laughs> With all my <laughs> On how that happens. <laughs> yeah. I'll send you a fixed <laughs> fee for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've just had one, like, light picking out decking. You know, to where we've had to like stop the project. You know, it's like, well, I can't. You know, I can't. I gotta have this. Yeah. You know, and finally, one of our staff goes like, "Hey, I'm gonna bring this to your house." Yeah. You know, I know you've seen it. I'm gonna bring it to your house. You gotta pick it out. And then it's like, oh, I gotta picked it. Oh, when's it happening? Yeah. Can we have it tomorrow? <laughs> like, Can you deliver it tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Well, now I gotta order it. And, you know. Yeah. You know, you took like, you took like four months to do this. Right. So. So when we, in 2010 or 11, we remodeled our house and, um, I had this file that I kept all my paperwork in it. And then big black markers on, on top of it, I wrote, it's just a house because I, partly I needed like a little perspective not to wig out about things. We were on a super tight budget and I couldn't have all of the things that all of my clients had. But also, it's just good perspective. It's just a house. I'm doing mission work in Cuba. Like, people are starving to death, and here I am building a house. So, like, have a little perspective, Amy. But I always try and remember that we're not brain surgeons. Nobody's going to die if something doesn't happen tomorrow. And, you know, things are going to go wrong, or people are going to have a hard time making decisions. But how we handle them and how we respond to them is what makes or breaks us as. I'm so glad you said that. We're 
we are really, really involved with a, uh, with a, with a group that does, we, so every house we build in Knoxville, we pay out of our fee for a home to be built in Uganda oh, in cool. Africa. That's awesome. And it's through a, it's through a company called Homes for Homes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, is the exact same perspective yeah. that, that we, you know, that we try to use, you know, and I, and I try to tell everybody like, as we go through a, like a walkthrough, you know, everybody wants to go and mark every single, you know, paint, every paint, single thing, yeah. or some bubble or something. paint and drywall, mm-hmm. you know? And so I try to tell everybody, I heard this, I can't take credit for it because I heard it from somebody else a long time ago, but they said, all right, before we start, let's all remember that this is, that this house is built with materials from the earth put together by human hands. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to be perfect. Right. You know, it's not like, you know, and now it's as perfect as we, as we can absolutely get yeah. it. But I, I try to remind myself of those two things. Like, all right, this is just a person. They made a mistake. And two, it's just a house. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it is to protect us from the weather. Right. <laughs> you know? right. right. <laughs> so I try to remind myself of that. And I think about, you know, at the end of the project, we always give as, as part of a, as part of our client gift, we give, we have a local artist do a watercolor of the house that their house built ah, in cool. Uganda uh-huh. oh, and, a, cool. and a watercolor of their own house. Uh-huh. So he comes out, he, you know, he comes out, looks at the house, gets a picture, goes back into a studio oh, and does a cool. watercolor of theirs and a watercolor of the house that theirs built, uh-huh. you know, so it, it really keeps my perspective where it should yep. be, but it yeah. is easy to lose it. In especially the type of houses that we all build, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think a lot it, of clients have like PTSD from either a previous build or from a house that they lived in, mm-hmm. and we always try and tell them like, one, you're going to live in this house totally different than the how any other house that you've lived in before because it's just going to function differently. Um, but yeah, two, like, you're if you're working with a good builder, if you're working with a green side, he's not going to walk out and leave your trim looking like trash because he has a reputation too, and he wouldn't do that because he takes pride. It's in his it. business he card. Takes pride in his work, and so sometimes people just need to simmer down a little bit. Well, I need to get that on a recording too. Simmer down. Simmer down now. I think so Mike Amy, just recorded that. He's just going to play it for some of our clients yeah. tonight. <laughs> so amy here at the level heads podcast we we try to structure our podcast to really get to know the the guest and we break it down into kind of three different topics a work topic life topic and a wild card topic and we each we each take a turn so this week mine is the the life topic so i got some few life questions that i want to throw at you but i want to do a, a this or that at with you real quick you know what a this or that is okay uh i think so, i can figure it out yeah <laughs> so i'm gonna go through i'm gonna go through a few here and then you tell me uh which one it is okay yeah, okay margarita or red wine red wine cubs or socks cubs oh. yeah sorry sherwin williams or benjamin moore benjamin moore mm. yes <laughs> mac or pc oh mac <laughs> or since I'm off of AutoCAD, I don't need a PC anymore. Yeah. yeah. California or New York? New York. Oh, she must have I'm not here. from New York. 
I, you know what? I went, to, I went to California and nobody talked to me. And in New York, at least, they'll tell you to, like, get out of the way. <laughs> you know, they have a bad rap, but I took the family one spring break to New York, and they were the nicest people yeah. we've ever met anywhere. I know. Nice. People in the subway, like, we had three little kids, no, four little kids at the time. We had strollers and baby carriers, and we're, you know, we're trying to navigate the subway and turnstiles. People mm-hmm. were holding the turnstiles for us that were paying for us to get on. They were the nicest people. That's awesome. You know why? It's because they're, they're so used to living in such close proximity with everybody. Right. It's just part, right. Of, it's just part of life there. Right. I, we we had the same experience, and my wife and I had the same conversation when we got back. We're like, you know, we've heard how rude people are, but we just took like a five-year-old and a seven-year-old here, yeah. and they yeah. were amazing. Yeah, they were so amazing funny. people. So kudos to New York. Sorry, All right, Mountain Sorry Jamie. Mountain skiing or beach? Beach. Mm. Light fixtures or plumbing fixtures? Oh, electric. Yeah. (laughs) I know the answer to this one. Heels or sneakers? Well, I do wear fancy sneakers everywhere I go, but I would rather see myself in heels. (laughs) (laughs) Italy or France? Italy. Uh, Quartz or quartzite? Foresight. Tacos or pizza? Tacos. <laughs> Jamie or Zane? Oh, it's a <laughs> We already bagged on California. Might as well pick yeah, Tennessee. sorry. Sorry, yeah. Jamie. Let's go sorry, with Tennessee. Jamie. But Jamie gets props for wearing the, your logo. The green side yeah, stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a big dick chopper. I, t- <laughs> I told that story our last podcast about me bitching so much to get some green side stuff. Yeah, I accosted him in a, at the end of a driveway one day, and he got out and handed myself and another designer a hat. So He keeps it all with him? Yep, he had a couple in his car. Man, look at you. <laughs> it took me months to get one. And I, fe- I, and I think I might have been the deciding vote to get him in the Builder 20. <laughs> Where are you now? <laughs> it, was not, it was that close, huh? Yeah, it was really like, tight. That guy's uh, sketchy, so. dude. It was yeah. really tight. They were yeah. like, I, he he drinks Irish whiskey. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we can trust him. <laughs> Actually, it's the Irishman that doesn't drink you can't trust. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Amy, I've got the work topic. Okay. So I've got a work. I've got a work question. Um, speaking of Mike and Greenside and, uh, all, you know, you guys working together and, uh, so how do you value your builder relationships and do you, and I guess, um, do you seek those out or are you more client dependent on, on where that goes? Um, that's a good question. So we super value them. Like they're the most important. What? It's just an okay say? question. It wasn't that good. <laughs> it was yours. Your this or that were better, but um, yeah, yours was better, Mike. Um, tacos, always tacos. Um, so they're the most important because, I mean, in my opinion, if we do a bad job for Greenside, if we don't handle the clients well, if we don't get deliverables out on time, he's never going to want to work with me again, right? But he's the guy that builds houses, so super, super important. We want those repeat. Um, well, repeat opportunities with the same builders because 
if they're good and we like working with them, we know what their expectations are. It makes every job a little bit easier along the way. Like you kind of get into a pattern with them, you know what to expect. Um, I don't, I don't seek out any builders and I don't look for work. So, um, if there's anything that I feel like I really need to work on doing better, it would be, uh, research on builders before I say yes to a job because sometimes that project <laughs> comes in and looks really, really enticing. And then you get a builder who's, who either doesn't know how to build at that level or doesn't like to collaborate or calls and says, I need all the plumbing fixtures this afternoon. I have to place the order. And you're like, what? I didn't even know you had started foundation. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so when we when we get a good one, we want to like really stick with them. So, uh, so that leads me. Um, sorry, I, I didn't know if anybody was. Um, how how are clients are clients finding you from a builder recommending you? Are our clients finding you first and then you recommend the builder? Or what's yeah? What's that has made like a big change in the last year. We have a lot of projects where we're being the first ones hired. Those are mm. mostly out of state. So it hasn't trickled down so much for me to be able to say like, hey, I think we should use this builder, this builder locally. I feel like it's a little bit different. Um, but out of state, we're, we've been the first ones on on a lot of projects. So how do you handle that? Do you do you are you part of the interview process for the builder or are you Sometimes, you know? sometimes a lot of times we and I actually do this with um projects with Mike um and other builders around here. We will actually set the allowances for anything that's interior design related and we will give that that's to a great the idea. um homeowner. It's an awesome idea. When they're like, yeah. What? Having the designer set the allowances is Yeah, that's genius. such a great idea. Yeah, so we'll make a list. We'll say metalwork, decorative plumbing, countertops, because we've done your DNA. We know you like miters. Cabinets. We've done right. your DNA. We know you like wire mesh. Decorative light fixtures. We've done your DNA. We know you keep showing us really expensive light fixtures from Roland Hill. Okay, like that it helps us so much that we can create a list of maybe a dozen items and say, these are your allowances. If you're going to bid this out to three different guys, they all have to use these. Now you're comparing construction costs, apple to apples, instead of like, you know, people fudging those numbers. And eventually if you want to change those numbers, we'll change those numbers, but at least there's something here that we can all work with. So it's probably best. I mean, on, on, I guess, I mean, I, I would appreciate if, if I'm in a competitive bid situation, if I already knew what those allowances yeah, were. Yeah. I mean, it's always probably best if we are on the same page right. design-wise. Right. You know. And occasionally a builder will say like, oh, she, you know, she wants $300,000 in there for cabinets. I can do your cabinets for 125 And I'm like, no, you can't because you and I have already talked and you want a built-in here and a built-in here and a built-in here and you want like all these things and what's on the architecturals is, is half of the program. So, um, you know, that's why I'm like, just use our numbers and I might be wrong on them. We'll figure that out down the road, but at least we're going to get you in the zone. So, yeah. 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 That's great. That's great. Do, do you, um, 
I'm sorry if I'm stealing. I'm going to patent those numbers, too, so everybody wants to get their whole hands on them. They have to pay me for them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with all kinds of ways to recoup my losses over the years. <laughs> so when they do, when they, so if you're out of state, mm-hmm. if you're, let's say you're designing one, um, like you said, Nashville earlier, mm-hmm. if you're out of state in Nashville, how are you, um, does the client come to you with, you know, a couple of builders or three, let's say three builders and says, Hey, you know, we want you to help us here. Or do you have any recommendations or are you helping do that research? All of the above. So sometimes I will review their contracts and I don't, I mean, you really, I'm not an attorney, but I, there are certain things that stick out in a builder's contract that sometimes I see that and I'm like, Ooh, he's using those weird windows where the grills on the inside between the glass or whatever. I I can like spot some things like that. And (laughs) sorry if you guys like those things, but I don't like them. Um, No, I don't either. (laughs) Yeah. So I can usually spot those kinds of things and be like, okay, this one's a red flag, a red flag, a red flag. Um, or I just have a, have a conversation with them. And then other times, um, like Mike and I are both, um, friendly with a realtor that's in the Nashville area. And I've talked to her before about like, you know, is this builder a good builder? Is that builder a good builder? And I do feel like people are generally pretty interested in helping and, um, willing to give out information or pass along a trade that you might need. So, um, yeah, it kind of happens in a lot of different ways. There's no job is alike. For sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, but if you're in Knoxville or Half Moon Bay, mm-hmm. pretty much you're choice. stuck now. There's one choice. Yeah, there's one choice. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty stuck now. So, Mike, you travel to Knoxville? Is that what we're, is that what we're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Man, she could be she could be a permanent she could be a permanent Nine. institution on this podcast. Nine. Nine. I've got she's a smart ass just like the rest of us. I've learned I've got builder twenty non competes that I gotta watch out for, you know. Uh, no, I've got Jamie, non- Jamie owns all the labor force in all of California, so that's gonna be a tough yeah. one. Yeah, yeah that, that's actually true. I've I've got a non-compete with my wife on the design <laughs> stuff, unfortunately. <laughs> it's not it's not anything that we've signed a contract with, but or know. like financial, but my life would end, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> that would probably happen if Josh told me how to design something. I'd be like, speaking of husband and wife, so you work together. Tell me what's that like? Because I know mm-hmm. I wouldn't um, be the boss if that was. The case. He's not going to listen to this. Just unload. Well, I actually, I mean. <laughs> I, Josh does not do any design stuff, but my husband is a very, like, calm, level-headed, non-reactive person, and I move on emotion, and I'm very quick to respond and very quick to do things, so I always say, like, I do have a boss, and it's him, like, he, a lot of times is something heated is going down maybe with a client or something that doesn't happen all that often but sometimes it happens things get a little spicy and I have to write a letter I always will like or a note I'll write it and I'll send it to him and he'll like you know it's just good (laughs) to have somebody else who's calm and I actually really appreciate that he's a man and he's viewing it from a different perspective like women tend to put way too many touchy-feely words into their sentence structure so I've learned to just be very direct 
and write exactly I've what nev- I'm saying. I've never life. noticed. <laughs> so, but he faces backwards. If he was here, you would see. This is what I see all day is this. And we don't. So sometimes we get home from work and I'm like, how was your day? What were you doing all day? Because we really don't talk all that much. Um, he works on marketing stuff and then he has his other business that he does. So he kind of squats in our office to do his other job. But um, we usually talk at night and on the weekends about work stuff. I Wow. I wish that was the case. I work with my wife. Um, so she does uh, all of our design stuff and um, pretty much tells me pretty much everything else to do. Yeah. Um, like, you know, <laughs> what, to, what to eat and what time to wake up and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but according but, to Lauren, yeah. you're, you're not too good at that part of it, like listening to the direction. No, no. I'm not real good at listening to anybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, she pretty much keeps me in line. So, yeah, it's really interesting. I think that the dynamic, and I think that's actually really healthy, what you just said. Um, so that probably keeps your sanity in your marriage yeah. because, you know, it's funny. I was just meeting with somebody today that was talking about um, two people that were married and in business. And they're like, we're just going to get a divorce because, you know, he or she just tells me what to do. And they're like, well, let us come in and help you as a financial uh-huh. person. And, you know, we we don't really have that dynamic of like we hate each other. We, yeah. you know, we have this <laughs> dynamic of like we fight about work and then. You know, but it's just work. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not life. I think if we get feisty about anything, it's like, we need another designer. Somebody needs, like, we're just frustrated with a situation and then we're both feisty, but it's not really with each other as much. Yeah. I I work with my wife too. You do? Um, Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. She hooked up your whole, your whole audio. Yeah, that was That's your... That's your tech lady too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's something over the years. It takes a while to learn how to navigate for yes. for us, anyways. Um, we stay in our own lanes. You know, I'm in the field. I'm the builder, and she's in the office, HR, billing, things like that. But um, I have an easier time separating work from home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas maybe she won't. So if we are arguing at work, that will definitely transfer yeah. home. You're not getting dinner. Yeah, so it's uh, it took a while to figure you know figure that all out. Yeah. <laughs> do you think do you think she's going to listen to this? Because maybe you should shut up if she is. Oh no, she does. She listens. <laughs> yeah. I get the feedback. I don't listen. She's I'm just off listen. screen. She's like, just off yeah. screen just, with a big east wind ready to something? slam. What do you want me to tell him? <laughs> <laughs> if he suddenly goes down, we'll know why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, he's going to be Brandon, like, I can't hear them anymore. So, Amy, yeah, besides no. besides working on green side jobs, what do you do for fun? <laughs> uh, well, she runs in her green side hat. I do run in my green side hat. <laughs> She's um, a go-getting entrepreneur, is what she does. That's right. I do like to go out to eat, so I do like to go out with my girlfriends. I mean, I that's have when a, those high heels come out. That's when my high heels come out. I have um, <laughs> a daughter in college, so we try and go visit her when we can. Um, I don't even know what I do. I do travel a lot. I really. Where do you? Where do you? I mean, besides Italy, I love to travel too. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I are huge travelers. We went to uh, 
We went to Normandy for three oh, weeks cool. That's on my list. in the fall, yeah. and I think I might move there. Yeah, um, I just loved it. You were enamored uh, that they put shingles on for sliding. I remember you sent me about twenty five thousand no, no, photos. Slate. No <laughs> slate. They put. Yeah, they use slate for siding <laughs> really? and on fleur. Yeah, in France, like it'd be. You would see, you know, they did a lot of swooped roofs over there uh-huh. with the slate, which was cool. But then they just carried it on down the side. That's it was really, yeah. I'm working at a house in Montana right now, and it took us a long time to figure it out. But they're taking, like, the pack clad down the roof and then down the sides of the house. I don't know if it's yeah. pack clad, but it's all metal siding with the little, you know. Standing scene. Yeah, the standing scene. Yeah. So how much, how much time, I mean, obviously you built... An awesome business um, with, what, 13 employees? Mm-hmm. 12. 12? Yeah. So you start, started your on your own. You're artistic, obviously. You're obviously a go-getter, an entrepreneur. So how are you Are you still involved with design, or are you more managing? I'm managing that- more than I would like to, but I am involved in every single project. So yeah. I am really heavy-handed at the beginning when we're doing, like, the initial programming, space planning, revising, maybe the architect's um, drawings with framing revisions and stuff like that. Um, And then doing like the um, design for the kitchens and like the main, like really important things that sort of then spiral off into the rest of the house. But I always tell people, so you're going to talk to me a lot the first several months of the project and the senior designer is going to be in on everything too, but then eventually there's going to be a point where they start answering the emails and stuff like that. And I do stay involved. I'll, I'll chime in from here to there. And um, the way our office is set up is it's like a big open space. And so everybody talks all the time and then we do, you know, weekly meetings. So I always say, you know, if, if you were to call me on a Thursday and be like, this is happening with my floor, I would probably respond by saying, yeah, I'm aware Kelsey's already told me here's what we're doing about it. Um, So, but I'm not handling all those day-to-day back and forth, but I get copied on a lot of emails. I read all the emails. I tend to know a lot about what's going on. And then I show up for the really important things like the electrical walkthrough or, you know, if there's a problem, I'm like, I don't like conflict. I'll like go back out and address it right away. Um, So I can attest to that too. Oh, Every project that we do, we see Amy all the time. She she is a true owner-operator, which I'm a big fan yeah. of. I know I've said that before. But every project we've done with Amy, she's she's on site all the time when we have meetings, along with her uh, rock star senior designer, Kelsey. Shout out to Kelsey. Yeah, Kelsey's um, awesome. She, we've got two other seniors, is, too, that are they're real, they do a great job. Yeah. So that's important, I think, to have owner-operators on site. So are you giving, so when you start the project, so you said you're very front, front end heavy. Yeah. Is that, so basically they're one, I mean, they hired you because they want your voice on the design, you know? And so that, is that kind of why you're front end heavy? You kind of give your voice on the design and then you let somebody else kind of manage the project. Is that what that is? Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely get it all kickstarted, but then like, let's say Mm -hmm. it might, let's say I'm working with Kelsey because Mike mentioned her and then another designer, Kelsey, I'll maybe work on the kitchen and have Kelsey help me like 
be pretty involved in it too because I really want her to have ownership in it and I want her to be able to flourish in the project and and run it um and then she'll work with the other designer to get the other cabinets drawn like the bathroom vanities and stuff like that and then I'll do a review of the whole thing kind of fine-tune add in some tweaks things like that and then really I'll go back to Kelsey and she'll, she'll take it from there. So I might show up to the meeting where we're picking the finishes for the cabinets and working on door styles and stuff like that. Cause that's usually a big one with the homeowners that also sets the pace, but then I leave and I don't think about it again. They take care of all of that right. stuff. Yeah. That's so how we're structured. We always have me similar. a senior and another designer. And then when we get into the FFNE, we usually will bring somebody else in from the design team to help us get it done because it's just such a large quantity of things that need to be selected. And then we have one person that's full-time staff that all she does is order, track, expedite. That's all she does. She processes literally every single order all day long. She does thousands of them a year and she, she knows where everything is. Hardware comes in, she opens the box, she does the counts, she wraps them up, she puts the room name on them, puts them back in a box, puts them in the storage, like really tracks all of that. So by the so end are of you the guys job, st- are you storing all the material? We don't store everything. So we do have a storage facility and we have a big um, room here. So we tend to store things that um, have to come here. So let's say we order a light from like rejuvenation. They're not going to hold it for us. They're going to send it to right. us, but maybe 30 other lights are going to hold at the lighting place. Um so there, you know, there's just things like that cabinet hardware. Maybe we oh, yeah. are going to place the cabinet mm-hmm. hardware in the field, so we'll have it all come to our office, and then we'll go and we'll put it in each cabinet. You know, with the direction. so we're dealing with those systems now. We're dealing. So I have a storage container shop, and I have different jobs coming in from different yeah. designers, and we're trying to figure out tracking pictures, yeah. this, that, and yeah, it's a, we're working yeah. on that now. We, it's a us lot. too. We it's a nightmare. It into our so we use Studio Designer as the software that we use, and so we can put notes in there that say like all the hardware was received in full. It was put in the storage facility and then it's in there, you know, under the client's name. So. Yeah. But it's a great. lot. We finally got smart and started charging people for the storage fees because I was I like, why am I spending thousand dollars a year on a storage container and not charging anyone for it? I'm doing them all a favor instead of shipping it to their house and making them deal with it. Yep. And so, storage product check-in. Those are yeah. aligned items for us. Yeah. We charge. Yeah. Yep. Guys, that's a good idea. I should do that. Yeah. I just, we just got a new office because storage was such a problem. Mm-hmm. We've searched for months for an, for some office space that also had a storage capability yeah. too, because yeah. storage is so hard to find. Yeah. So we finally found it, but that is such a great yeah. idea. We also bought a van last year because we need it when we go do installs to take all that mm-hmm. stuff. And sometimes it's pillows and cushions and stuff like that. We'll just back sure. it into the storage facility and load it up and take it but we use that a lot of times we'll get big light fixtures and things that we just don't have room for them in the office so we can throw them in the van and take them over to storage yeah i have to figure out how to pay off the van now that's my goal for this year (laughs) charge higher storage fees that's a line item just van yeah van right it's kind of a new it's It's kind of a new line item it's like you know <laughs> after after all this COVID business, that's kind of a new line item now is storage because you know, we're dealing with lead yeah. times. It's not really, worth waiting. It, it, you can take it early. It comes take down it to setting customer expectations too, because if you have to tell the client that they're paying storage fees, I guarantee you, there's ninety percent of people that don't expect 
that they have to pay storage fees. So that's important yeah. to say up front. They have to be educated on that for sure. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. We uh, we had such a problem getting appliances, you know, for the last yeah. I don't know. I guess a year and a half ago. I guess like six months ago, it stopped being such a huge problem. But <laughs> we had Cardinal Crest on last week, and he was talking about this exposure and all these appliances he had to order. And I literally started getting anxiety. <laughs> I was like, this has nothing to do with me. Yeah. And I feel so bad right yeah. now. <laughs> it's crowd. The appliance thing was crazy. We actually, like, oh. we don't even do remodels anymore, but we have two that we're trying to finish up that we took on a year and a half, two years ago. And had to wait for a year for the appliances to come in. And then it's like, it's well, now it's go time. I'm like, I don't have time for these yeah. projects now. Yeah, so it's miserable. Year. Yeah. <laughs> First world problems. It's just that's a right. house. We, that, that's right. That's Riley a highly saying around our company. <laughs> right. No, yeah. that's, what, that's what Mike tells his clients. It's just a house. Yeah, I don't know if that would go over well. <laughs> I don't feel like you should use that. Don't quote me on it. No, it's not a <laughs> it's not a thing to say to clients. Yeah. It's just a thing you think in your head. Oh, we were talking the I, other day about your job, and Amy was like, "It's just a house." <laughs> I have cousin Johnny use that term. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For some reason, when he says it, it sounds better because he's got the Irish accent. Accent. Can't, can't get yeah. that mad at him. Yeah, I had a client with an English that was from that was from London. And everything she said just sounded like butter. Right. I mean, she could have just yelled at me right. and I'd have been like, have been like she's my... so are you mad at me? Are we like, yeah, yeah. She's, <laughs> she's my favorite client yeah. still. It's <laughs> funny. But if I needed something done, like, uh, we had a real, we had a real problem with their HOA. We had like, uh, and, and they lived on this little, on this one kind of, I mean, it wasn't a pocket neighborhood because it was more houses than that, but it, I think there was like 10 houses and they all had to be painted a different color, mm -hmm. but it couldn't be like one shade of something, you know, it'd be like so, totally different. But, yeah. Oh. And we were one, we were one of the last, we were the second to last house in the neighborhood and they had such a hard time picking out the color. We had 13 different colors it's too many on choices. the house. Yeah, it looked the house looked polka dot by the time we got you know through that, and they ended up painting it navy. Well, they ended up painting it hell navy. Really, um, that's a good color. Which at the time, which at the time was the color of the year, yeah. you know. But they were so angry, and I finally, I finally was like, maybe you should talk to them, like with the accent, yeah. and like you're so charming. <laughs> Go over there and tell them how much you like the hail navy. And it worked. <laughs> that's hilarious. And now it's a big Union Jack, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell, I'll give you a little advice from me to you is that that's too many choices. I literally yes. give my clients one choice. I always tell them I'm going to show you one choice for everything and if there's something you don't like, we'll change it, but I'm not going to show you three different ways because you show three of this, three of this, three of this. What if they pick the wrong ones and they don't go together, you know? Right. Like yeah. I should know you well enough to to pick it's different than you pick the yeah. paint, but like if I'm doing, I just tile love or how you call no one way a choice. I'm going to give you three options. <laughs> well, at the, you know, at, in 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 Lauren's defense, we did. We pretty much gave them like a couple of choices. Yeah, they picked they it, and the HOA 
the HOA was like, no. And so she gave him another couple choices, and the HOA, no. And, you know, it went down that way. And then they had to see every single one, and they were like, oh, no, this is too close to, you know, Jeff's house over there. gracious. Why don't they just establish a color book of things you can pick from and then cross off ones that have been taken already? Right. So, yeah. Right, guys. Yeah, I feel like this is... Yeah, we were on here for a while. Thanks for coming on, Amy. Hey, thanks for having me. That was fun. Yeah, that was awesome. It was fun. Good insight. Yeah, I could do this for hours. I could learn from all of you. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, we should be the ones learning from you because you're you're the one making the house look good. We're just putting it together, right? Amazing, yeah. Yeah, let's get her her Instagram handle out because her Instagram's on fire. Talk about some nice work. Thanks. Follow Amy. Give us your Instagram handle and all all that contact info. Oh, right now. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's and your home home address. Yeah. Too. <laughs> yes, you can send me <laughs> presents and money. Sweet. That's it. Um, yeah, it's Amy Storm and Company, or I think it might be Amy Storm and Co. I should look that up. Um, even though we like to use the whole word company, I don't think it fit. But let me look my. That's up. funny. We're the same way. We're we're Collective Build Company, but we're. Collective Build Co. Yeah, yeah, it's Amy Storm and Co. That's our handle, and um, our website is Amy Storm and Company. So you can see, you know, some of our projects on that. I actually think our Instagram is more up to date. That's beautiful. I was going through it today. Looks great. Thank you. It's fun. Cool. It's really like uh, fun to go back and look at it and be like, "Wow, look at all the stuff we've done this past year. It's great." We actually have a project that we just shot with Mike, and I haven't put any of the pictures out because I figure I need a new one to to break into spring with. So holding out for that. Yeah, we got to get rid of that Patrick Murphy guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who's that? <laughs> He's like your nemesis. <laughs> I mean, I'll just take a shot in the dark here, Mike. But... Do you know what? No, I'll tell you, I'll tell you no, something. All respect. Patrick does a good job. Am respect. I allowed to have he another does. minute of time? Absolutely. Um, When I first went out on my own, there were a couple builders that were building houses around town. And this is probably before Mike was even building houses or that we ever knew each other. Um, We didn't know each other until you built the house next door to me. But um, when I was young and starting out, I would see these houses go up around my neighborhood. And I always thought, if I ever get to work with that guy that, like, I like finally arrived, like people would see that we can do what we do and we work with them all the time. And we work with Mike all the time. We work with other builders, other builders all the time. But, and I would say what, what I learned from PJ that we carry into other projects is, and he's a tough guy. He's, he's a, um, he can be a tough guy to work with, but he loves to collaborate on projects and get the floor plans right. And, um, meet us on the job site and walk through everything and listen to what we have to say and throw out other suggestions or whatever. And that kind of set the stage for me of what working with a good contractor is like and what, like what working with one who doesn't care so much is like. And so I always look for those qualities. So when I met Mike and, you know, he goes to a electrical walkthrough with us and we're there for five hours in the freezing cold January but he's he's not like you guys figure it out. He's all in and he's he's working with us. Like those are the things that make us be like we want to work with that contractor again and again and again. And 
Um, sure. So I always appreciate the things that I learn from builders about what to do and what not to do. There was another one in town that I had the same thought on, and I worked with him. And after that, I said, never call me again. Never talk to me. Never for me on a job. I never want to see your face again. <laughs> so <laughs> that happens sometimes, too. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's what I always say about Mike. He's just a sweet, sweet Aww, man. He's just such a sweet be like man. <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> anyway, I'm super thankful to be on this. I'm super thankful cool. that Mike and I. Have We're happy to have you. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, yeah, of course. Anytime. That was fun. And if Mike ever blows you off, just call me and I'll jump on. 100%. Yes. All right. Done. Yeah. Just right. shoot me your shoot me your cell phone. He blows me off all the time. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Wow, it's like a, this is more like a roast than a podcast. Yeah. Like a mic <laughs> roast. That's what we do here. He could take it. Yeah. yeah, he's fine. He's fine. I'm not. I'm not a millennial. I can take it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're Jeez. all a lot tougher. Well, we've lost all the millennials yeah, now. They're out. <laughs> no, nobody's listening now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. All right, hey. Amy. Amy, thank you so much. Of course. Yeah, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Zane. Great to meet you. Yeah. Wait, Aya, how do I get out of here? Leave.